What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Happy Life Podcast. My name is Baudelio, but you can actually call me Chino. I go by Chino because of the curly hair, not because I'm Chinese or anything other than curly hair. All right, let's not get into it too much. Today, we're going to be doing um, a solo podcast. I've done one solo podcast, and I don't think that it turned out all that great, um, just because I was barely getting warmed up to the whole podcasting thing, and I um, I didn't know how to bounce off myself in the sense that I was finding, I was having a really hard time focusing up uh, on what I really wanted to talk about in that episode, and the audio also was not all that great. Now, um, you're going to see me turning a little bit off to the side, and that's because I have my notes here. Um, today's episode is actually going to be on self-discovery and uh, the, this this journey that we call life. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting journey. You know, I, I like to see life as a, a ride. Um, you can choose to enjoy it. Or you can choose to cry and run in fear the entire time. I would honestly recommend that you learn how to enjoy the life that you have because there is one life. You get one shot at all of this. That and literally everything that you get to experience, your love life, your friendships, your mom and dad, everything. Everything that you can think about. Just, just for a second, stop. I'll give you a second. Stop and think about all the shit that you have currently and appreciate it. Um, step step out of your shoes, back away, and, and realize how much you actually have, how fucking thankful you are that you have all these things. And I think that once you understand that, life begins to get a whole lot easier and a whole lot more enjoyable. A lot of us understand that we are different from a very early age, and uh, I believe that that was the case for me as well. From a very from a very early age, um, I I am convinced that I had some sort of um, ADHD or ADD um, something. I am convinced that I had something because I would just not shut up. I was. A very outspoken little boy, and um, I had absolutely no problem with that, except that um, for my mother, it was a little bit tough trying to get me to shut up because I would literally talk to everybody, and and, and that's the case now still to this day. Um, and and actually, one time, and my mom recites this story all the time. I was asking a, a salesman in Jerez, Zacatecas, which is where I grew up. If you guys don't know, it's um, it's a beautiful place. Um, and there was a salesman, and I just kept asking him so many questions. I don't remember the questions exactly, but I kept asking him questions, and he would answer my question, and I'd ask him another one. And then eventually from, um, from the back came my mom and realized that I was over here bugging this man. So she runs over and she's like, Ay, mijo! And which translates to, oh my God, son, leave that man alone. Um, <laughs> um, and the, the man, to our surprise, I mean, I don't understand. I didn't understand this at the time, but to my mother's surprise, he actually said, no, senor. 
deje que su niño pregunte todas las preguntas que quiera preguntar. Porque eso es lo que le da la oportunidad de aprender. And that translates to, no ma'am. Let him ask all the questions that he wants to ask. Because as children, that is how you learn. And not every child has this gift, this ability to just talk to everybody and um, engage in a conversation. Because at five or six years old, you are not, um, you're, you're not, you know, made the way that you are now. Um, but I'd like to think differently. Um, I think that kids are natural born little scientists that are always exploring the world around them. And it's not until you put them on a structure school system that you really kind of fuck with their shit, you know, because it'll be interesting if I don't know if it's ever been done, but it would be really interesting to see where a kid would go on his on his own or on her own in terms of exploring the world around them. And I would like to see one day, hopefully with my kids, um, allow them to just build their own perspective, their own perspective on life. And uh, I would love to just let them roam free for a little bit, um, because I definitely feel like that is what was done for me. Um, and it affects you positively and negatively. Today, we're going to be focusing on the positive sides. And uh, the negative sides of this will be in another episode. But from a very early age, I understood that I was different. Um, and and that, there's power in that. And you know what? If you, if you think back to your childhood and you remember yourself as different, guess what? There's still that little different person inside of you. And if you've conformed yourself to society's norms, more than likely you are suffering because you are portraying an image of who you aren't. So realizing that I was different from very early on was important in, in becoming the, the man that I am today. I grew up in a very small ranch um, where the, the, the lifestyle is you farm and whatever your crops give you is the amount of money that you have for the year. My father was extremely hardworking and he would never stop. And to this day, the old man doesn't stop. It's a blessing and a curse. One, one day my father actually took me, um, I don't know the proper term in English. I guess you would call it farming. Um, we were farming corn. Uh, because that's, that's what was our family did. You know, we would part, we would, um, farm corn. Well, he decided that it was a great idea to take me at the age of six years old to farm corn. Now, like I stated before, I am convinced that I had some form of ADD or ADHD because there was just no way to keep me focused on, uh, on a certain task for a long period of time. And I mean, just sitting here, you could see me dozing off everywhere. I can't stay still and look at one direction for a long period of time. Um, and that's okay. I don't see a problem with that. But anywho, back to my story. So my father takes me farming and he's teaching me how to farm, you know? So to you open up 
a row of corn and uh, then you walk through it. You plant one single piece of corn and then it sprouts to be corn. Well, I didn't want to be there. And so because I didn't want to be there, I started to throw uh, fistfuls uh, of corn into the ground. And so fast forward to when the crop was finally done, there was about five or six pieces of corn sprouting from one place. And that's that's how you knew that that was my row because that's I did it. My world was flipped upside down when I came to the United States um, in Mexico. I was a very popular kid. My parents, my families, both from my dad and my mom's side, they're, they're both from the same town. I'm from the town where they're from. They're, they're very known. They're very well-known people, very well-respected people in the sense that they, they were cool with everybody and they treated everybody the way that they wanted to be treated. And they've taught me this growing up all the time. Well, time came for us to come to the United, to the United States, and that is when my world was flipped upside down. I was brought into the country not knowing English and I had to learn everything from scratch. And there was not there was not a day where I don't remember crying while trying to figure out how to do my homework. Um, because there was very little help at the time. I at least in my school, there was not a Spanish tutor or a Spanish teacher. Um, my span my Spanish teacher, what the fuck? My teacher was actually an incredible woman, which to this day, I still remember her for who she was and the amount of effort that she put into teaching me. She didn't just teach. Uh, she she was um, she was Samoan or Hawaiian Pacific Islander. I don't know the proper term. Forgive my ignorance, but she understood to an extent what it was like to be a foreigner. And I think her understanding of this uh, allowed her to be compassionate for what I was going through. And and she was extremely helpful in helping me learn the language. Um, I remember crying, uh, coming home crying to my mom. Like, I can't understand them. I can't understand what they're saying. I don't talk to anybody. I feel alone. And at 10 years old and just knowing like understanding that you are different and feeling alone if anybody has experienced that that you know the the, the type of pain that it brings to you um and you can choose to crumble under that pain but i decided that i was gonna use this pain as a building block as a stepping stone and so uh in the middle of a cry i just remember telling my mom Mami, te prometo que en seis meses yo voy a aprender inglés. No me importa. Um, which translates to, Mom, I promise you. Or, I'm sorry. Mommy, I promise you that in six months I'm gonna learn English. I don't care what happens. Um, and I did. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I got the courage or strength as a 10 year old to just decide that I was going to say that, but I did in six months, I was speaking English. Um, 
I'm going to tell you guys a few stories about my middle school experience, or I'm sorry, my elementary school experience, um, not speaking the language and being in a classroom full of people that didn't speak any Spanish. There was actually actually two girls, um, which to this day, I still know them. Um, and I'm not going to shout them out because I really honestly don't know, first of all, if they watch these and second of all, if they're cool with me fucking putting their shit out there. Um, but they would help me so much. And, you know, to this day, I'm extremely grateful to them. And if you guys ever do come across this, just know that I sincerely thank you. I am here. I am the man that I am today because you guys allowed me to learn English. You guys helped me with my projects. You guys translated for me at a 10, at a 10 years old when you could be, you know, chatting with your friends, hanging out with your friends. You chose to help me. And I do appreciate that. And one day I'll repay you. And when that day comes, um, I'll feel better because I'll be able to. I'll be able to repay you for everything that you did for me. Anywho, the story goes something like this. It was about the actually it was the very first day of school and I was optimistic as hell. I was so ready to tackle on this day of school. So, you know, I I I follow the the lead of the people around me and then came lunchtime, my favorite fucking time of the whole day because food is an international language and you can understand it. Or so I thought. Well, what if you remember your elementary school lunches, um you I mean, at least for my school, this is the way that it was. You would walk in a line and then you'd pick and choose what you wanted. And then the lunch lady would give it to you. Well, even though I came from a small town, there was people that would come from the United States into the town. And then they would take a, a, a certain amount of language with them. And, you know, if you're a curious kid growing up in the town, you would ask the questions and you would say, like, how do you say apple? Or how do you say manzana, apple, whatever. Um, well, I knew that donkey was burro and little was small. This was before I understood that, that English is a fucking weird ass language. And so I was like, this is fucking common sense. If I put little and donkey together. They make little donkey and in Spanish, it translates to burrito, right? I mean, you would think that that was the case. So I get confident as hell and I woke up to the line and I'm like, I know exactly what I want. The lunch lady asks, what do you want? I don't know what the fuck what do you want means, but she's pointing at me. So I'm going to take a guess and say that it's my turn. I point confidently as hell. Little donkey. And she starts bursting laughing, laughing con ganas, pero con ganas. She was laughing at me at first and then, <laughs> and, and she, and then she apologized and she's like, mijo, burrito in inglés is still burrito. And I, I can't blush you guys cause I'm pretty dark, but if I could, I would be as red as my shirt because I was so embarrassed by what had just happened. I was so confident in my wording. I was so 
proud of the way that I came up with this title. I was so ready to, to just get my burrito and walk away with it. And um, I found out that Little Donkey does not equal burrito when it comes to food. So, yeah, that was that. And then there was another story about the time when I needed to use the restroom. And I didn't know how to ask. Well, one time after recess, um, we came back into the classroom and I realized that I really needed to pee. But we had just had recess. And I didn't understand that, like... Maybe I did understand. I was trying to fucking milk it. Like I didn't want to. I didn't want to come back from recess. Um, I wanted to go back outside. I don't know. But I. I remember. I really needed to pee, and I didn't know how to ask. Can I go pee? So I'm just like sitting there on my desk. Like I'm about. I'm about to fucking piss myself. Uh, I don't even have a, a cup or nothing to just pull my willy out and pee in it. No, no, no. I was gonna pee my pants, and I didn't know how to ask the teacher. So I got up. I walked out of the classroom, I ran to the restroom, and I peed. As I'm peeing, my teacher comes in the fucking bathroom and starts yelling at me. And, I mean, I don't know what the fuck she said because I didn't speak English at the time, but I could tell she was upset. And I didn't know why she was upset because I didn't pee on her freaking floor. I decided to step out of the classroom like a normal civilized human, and I decided to go to the restroom. So... Anywho, I almost peed my pants because I didn't know how to say I need to use a restroom. Um, there was there is one more story, and it actually has to do with the girls that taught me English. Um, to facilitate the the translating, instead of sitting me across the across the room from the girls that spoke Spanish and were translating for me, my teacher decided that she was going to sit me next to uh one of the girls well one time i remember i bent over to reach into my backpack and um i passed gas <laughs> i tooted right in front of the girl and i was so embarrassed and dude this girl she's a freaking rock man she didn't flinch an eye she didn't shame me for it i mean maybe she told her friends at lunchtime i don't fucking know but i don't care she didn't tell me anything about it um she just giggled and was like it's okay and i was like okay um and we moved on and i hope that she still remembers that because i still remember that to this day after um i only spent one year in middle school and then or i'm sorry elementary school i keep saying middle school middle school was not that exciting for me actually middle school was kind of sad for me um because I, you you know, in middle school, you're supposed to be having all of your friends support you and you're supposed to grow up with your friends and you're supposed to go over to their houses and hang out and play and all that stuff. And at my school, I actually had zero friends in middle school. Um, it wasn't until like seventh or eighth grade, perhaps, that I started to get along with some uh, incredible people, which, you know, like I still have on social media to this day and I haven't contacted in a real long time middle school was extremely extremely lonely for me and not just that but i was so naive when it came to middle school i was extremely naive about 
the stuff that was going on around me, all the bullying, all the uh, the boyfriends and girlfriends that were happening in middle school, because apparently you're supposed to do that, fucking little horny kids. Um, and it was, looking back, it was kind of sad, you know, because I really honestly had no experience in this. And I realized how naive I was because in seventh grade, I remember in math class, they were talking about jacking off. And I had no idea what jacking off was. I had to be explained by one of the girls in my math class what jacking off was. I might have found out myself what jacking off was that day. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but anyways, yeah, I was super naive. I was extremely naive. And I was... That's just the type of person that I was. I mean, to this day, I'm still very naive in in the sense that I don't realize a lot of things that people are doing. And I don't know if, if, if that's a weakness or a strength, but it really honestly doesn't bother me anymore. So, yeah, middle school was extremely dark. Um, I would walk around. I, I This is also the time when I started to um, realize that I was heavier than the other people around me. And I started to understand that really, I mean, being heavier was not too socially accepting at the time. Actually, to this fucking day, y'all still fatophobic, if that's a word. So I would walk around in this giant oversized hoodie hiding, according to me, hiding in these oversized clothes, um, what was underneath. And that was me being overweight. And I I still, you know, like, it didn't bother me so much. Because, like I said, I was naive. I really honestly didn't understand what was going Like, I, I didn't understand that it was not accepted. I was just self-conscious. And so, naturally, I, you know, I, I hid myself in oversized clothes. Which, by the way, if there is any big people out there right now watching this if you're new if you're if you're in the uh, in a younger age group and you are a little bit bigger than most big clothes don't help <laughs> just just know that big clothes really honestly don't help they don't hide anything they actually just make you feel more insecure so i'm looking at all my big people out there um fucking love yourself honestly the the this country has a problem in the sense that it's th like 40 percent of it is overweight and obese and yet they portray all of their models and all of their actresses and all of their singers and everybody of importance is portrayed on tv as being thin and all these superstars go on these crazy fad diets just to look thin. Where in reality, it's just a whole... I mean, don't get me wrong. I, there's a lot of people out there that do the work. But most of them get their shit done. And you're you're having these, these slightly overweight people, per your standards, grow up insecure in because... You can't deal and don't know how to comprehend the fact that, that that bigger person is exactly the same as you, sometimes better, ethically, emotionally, 
any any way that you can think, sometimes those people are better because they're seeing the world through a different set of eyes and they are capable of comprehending a, a different type of discrimination that you don't. And going through all this shit, they still manage to be nice to you because they could really honestly pick up your fucking little ass and throw you on the floor if they really wanted to, but they don't. So let's be nice to our bigger people. Now, to our extremely big people, there is a limit because to an extent, you do have to take of your body, take care of your body, excuse me, because you get one body and if you don't take care of it, it's gonna die out. So if you are unsafely overweight, then yes, you can take care of yourself. And if even if you are slightly overweight, you can still take care of yourself. It really doesn't matter where you fall into the spectrum. Just understand your value as a person doesn't change based on your weight. It really doesn't. Back to the topic at hand. Where the fuck was I? I went through middle school. Um, yeah, just hiding inside of these oversized clothes and uh, continuously feeling alone and you know and so high school came about and 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 during all of this you guys um my mind was elsewhere i was enjoying my life i really honestly was not worried about these people at the time i was learning how to skateboard um so on my free time i was skateboarding and that was extremely fun for me and i really honestly my mind was not focusing on these people. And that's when I think that me being naive, me being as innocent as I was, actually saved me from falling into a really fucking shitty position. And I, I'm thankful that I, I am incapable of seeing the evil in such people. Um, and I choose to see the, the optimistic side of shit, you know, because it really honestly would have fucked me up if I decided to give that much thought into my body image at the time. But eventually it did catch up to me. And that leads me on to my next point. Rolling into high school and being more mindful of of society. And, you know, it's when I, when I started to like girls and get into girls. And I was like, wow, that girl's beautiful or whatever, you know. You start getting into girls. And... And that's when I started to realize that girls prefer, or back then, if they, I mean, they probably still do. I can't imagine that has changed that much or that dramatic in, in a few set of years. They would prefer the thinner guys. And I knew that I had a disadvantage, but I also understood that things could change. And so I took myself on a weight loss journey and at the end of that weight loss journey, I realized that I was still... Actually, I started my weight loss journey a little bit sad in the sense that I began to understand that I really was not socially accepted in my body at the time. And then I, that's when my self-worth really kind of took, took a hit in, in the sense that, um, when you, when you're in high school, when you're young and then high school your society status or your status in society and your acceptance of your peers is extremely important. Um, and nobody prepares you for that shit. Like there was no talk in my house. There was no talk in my friend, in my circle of friends, nobody, like nobody prepares you for that shit. 
it just kind of happens. And so I fell into a little bit of a depression and then I was like, okay, you know, like I'm feeling pretty shitty. Let me work out and see what I can do and see how I can feel better. Well, I went on an extreme fucking diet. I took the three months going from soft, no, from freshman to sophomore year, three months of summer, I ate ranch, lettuce, and chicken, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That was the only three things, three items that I ate, and I drank nothing but water, and I would, I was working out two times a day, and I lost 65 pounds, something crazy like that, in three months. And at the end of it, guess what? I was still pretty fucking sad. And so I really honestly realized that that the sadness wasn't coming from anything uh, external. It was internal. And obviously, in a further episode, I will explain why I'm, I was fucked up in that way. And it has a lot to do with childhood trauma and growing up and uh, traumatic events. But that's for another episode. So I started to take comfort in in the clothes that I was wearing. So I lost the weight and um, and I had a different body and I was like, okay, we can, you know, we can, we can work with this body. It's different. Um, we might be able to wear the skinny jeans that we never had a chance to wear. And that's exactly what I did. So I went out and I bought a whole new wardrobe and I picked up this uh, swag fag look and to you, or to people outside, it might have seemed completely ridiculous in the clothes that I was wearing, but it was comforting. It was deeply comforting, and it was, um, there was, there was a, there was a sort of safety in knowing that I was fresh as fuck, and it, it brought a new type of confidence, a confidence I had, that I had yet to experience at the time, and, 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 you know, looking back now, I'm extremely thankful that I found this, this trend and that I pick up this new style and that I decided to take myself and dress myself nicely. And, and now I encourage other big men. I eventually want to get around to doing, um, I don't know, maybe a photo shoot with a group of bigger men that, you know, the bigger men that are in my circle, but that I know really like dressing up and, and looking good and feeling good because, you know, it sounds kind of cliche, but look good, feel good. And sometimes it could be the other way around. But for me, in that particular case, it was look good, feel good. With, with this newfound confidence and this new body and this new style and, and these new clothes and being fresh or, you know, at the time it was called swag, um... The, the, it came new opportunities to finally meet girls, which I I had yet to experience up until this point. There was no interest in bigger men, but all of a sudden I had, you know, vast opportunities. But like I stated before, I was extremely naive and I couldn't see anything that was put in front of me. It was really kind of cute in in the sense that I could have been a fuck boy. I dressed like one, but I, it, it was different. Like I really kind of wanted to find somebody and, and share something special with them. And, and 
I'm not discouraging anybody that has gone through their host stage, you know. I'm going to give you guys the most perfect analogy when it comes to finding somebody that you enjoy or, you know, the people that you've you've been around. In the words of Anjosan, and I don't know if this is original from him, he said, sometimes people need to try all the ice cream flavors to know which one they like. But he also said... Sometimes you just need to have one flavor because you know that's the flavor that you absolutely like. And it translates into trying different types of people to finding what you like or knowing the type of people that you like or knowing what it is that you want in a person and looking for it. And I think that that's where I was in life. I And I've always been that way, you know. Sure, I mean, I had fun, but I never went out and hooked up with a whole bunch of people because that's just not who I was. That's not what I wanted. And that led into what I'm getting into now, which was falling in love with somebody that maybe perhaps was going through something like we described. Maybe they were trying flavors, but I wanted just the one flavor. And so I fell in love with this girl, first love, you know, had just got a new body. I was, I had finally got attention from somebody and I fell in love with this girl and we were long distance and we were young and I got cheated on. It was, it was an, if you've never been cheated on, you don't want to experience it. It is, um, it is like a sour flavor in your mouth that you don't, know how to shake off and emotions come over you and you're like you don't know if you want to say fuck this person or if you want to break down and cry um and it can teach you a whole variety of things depending on how you see it you know but the one thing that i promised myself the one thing that i promised out loud was that knowing this new felt pain i didn't want anybody to experience it for me And so I'd made myself the promise that I was never going to cheat on somebody. Because in in my eyes, when you cheat on somebody, you fuck them up for life. And if that person decides that they're going to take revenge on you by cheating on the next person that they get with, now that person is fucked up. And they're going to go out and cheat. And then the following person is going to do the same thing. And it's just a cycle of people that are fucked up in life. And when somebody like me comes across a person that has been cheated on, you can see that pain from a fucking mile away. And it's fucking sad. And so that's why I promised myself that I was never going to cheat on anybody. I didn't want to cheat on anybody. I didn't want anybody to go through what I went through. Um, and so I made myself that promise. And to this day, I've been able to keep that promise and I'm proud of it. And I encourage you guys, if you guys have ever been cheated on and you know what it feels like, don't ever do it to somebody. And if somebody's considering it, send them the other way, be the good friend because that shit fucks people up for a long time. It might seem insignificant, but it's. If somebody's in love and they get betrayed in that way, it can fuck people up. From there, I, I took a really big hit in that life, in, in that sense, I'm sorry. Um, and 
and I again I kind of fell into a little bit of a depression stage, uh, and this is kind of when I really truly discovered optimism and positivity, and the power of it. So <clears throat> I've explained this story before, but I was watching a show randomly on a Sunday morning in TV. And this man was just describing the power of positivity and optimism and how manifesting shit into your life is a true thing. And you can actually see the results from it. And I I was at my lowest point. And so I just decided that I was going to give this a shot. And so I did. And from that point forward, I've been positive and optimistic about everything. And, and, you know, like I told you guys, I was optimistic and positive before and, and the, the naiveness of me and the innocence in me um, kind of all intertwined and, and ended up being the same thing. But now finding the proper term and the 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 proper way to explain it was was a completely it was a completely new power to me. And, and so I started moving my cards in the way that I felt were going to, was going to be beneficial for me. And I started to work out again and, and I worked out this time around with more weight training. My whole mentality behind that was strong body, strong mind. And I don't think that a lot of people realize that working out is a strength it brings a, a new type of strength to you that you perhaps don't have and and it's not always about your body and it's not always about how you look but you get yourself in the gym and you spend some time with yourself and you really start to realize what needs to change and sometimes in the middle of a workout sesh you work out shit that has been troubling you for a long time and i think it's important for people to get themselves in the gym and experience this shit but a lot of people don't because they think that or maybe they don't even realize that you can re that you can work out with this purpose. And so they never work out looking for that purpose. They always work out just looking at their body image rather than the, their whole their whole self as a as a person, you know, like improvement as a whole inside and out. So from there, uh, we moved into you, and all this happens, you know, back to back. I, it was, it was kind of crazy how fast you can learn new shit. You know, I, I recently listened to, um, Kevin Hart on Joe Rogan and he was talking about how life is a game like quality. It has game like quality in the sense that in the sense that when you unlock, when you finish one level, um, you can unlock another and then you can level up in that level or, uh, you know, master that level. And, and you can choose to chill at that level if you really wanted to. And, you know, and, and know that you completed the level. But if you want something else and you if you want a new a new love or a new passion or a, a new hobby, whatever it is new that you want to learn, you can choose to go out and learn this new thing. And it, it's there's literally levels to life and you choose when to stop. So after that, I moved into doing doing the shit that I, I understood. And I've been understanding that when you do the shit that you love, you do it with purpose. And and 
And that translates into how effective you are in your work and how how ethical you work and how willing you are to wake up in the morning and how willing you are to stay up late at night. And the, a lot of people don't really honestly, don't, I don't think that they understand that. Uh, many people chase the money. Many people chase the bag. And when they finally get the money, they realize that the money is really not where it's at. It's sure the money's nice. You you need money. Yeah, I'm not saying to live a homeless life because it's not possible, especially not in this country where everything where you cannot afford an apartment with a minimum wage job that is not possible, at least in California. <clears throat> But there is a certain amount of responsibility that you have in finding what it is that you love and doing it. And if you don't do that, you will go through life hating everything that you do and being upset all the time. And, and if you're at that point now, then guess what? You have a lot of fucking work to do. But it's never too late to start. And you definitely shouldn't freak yourself out. You know, hearing this, hearing me, hearing me talk through, you know, what the stages of what life has been through up to this point should really be an eye opener in, in, in what you can accomplish, in what you can come up with. Because I am a normal, normal person. But I choose to look at life in a different way. And I choose to believe that I am bigger than myself and that I am capable of doing the things that I've done. And I think that you should too. From there, we move on to a big one, which is religion. My family is Catholic. We've been Catholic for a long time. But I almost saw God and religion. Well, there's two sides to this. My, my whole thing with religion was how it was used back in the day. And I don't have facts for you guys, you know, but if you understand where religion came from and you understand the history of religion, at least the Catholic ones, um, there was Native Americans in Mexico that were forced, almost forced, possibly forced. I don't have the facts. I've never talked to an indigenous person to change into Catholicism. And I don't think that that's right. I don't think that you should be coming into somebody else's land and telling them what to believe when they've already believed something else. And so that's when I crashed into religion. And that's when I started to question it from there on. I moved into, I never questioned God. I always understood that there was a God. I understood that there was a bigger being and that there was importance in having that big, bigger being in your life so that when you feel alone, you can pray, you know, when you feel empty, you can pray when you need the extra strength, you can, you can pray when you need the backup, you can pray. I, I understood that. I just didn't like using God as an escape goat. And I felt that a lot of people do a lot of people use God as an escape goat in the sense that if something goes right, they thank themselves, but if something goes wrong, they blame it on God. And I just couldn't agree with that. I seeing it from the outside in, I could not agree with that at all. I didn't like the idea that it was somebody else's fault. If shit went wrong. And if something went right, then it's me. 
I couldn't get behind that. And so I started to to just do shit for myself. And I was and, and there was a point where I was putting all good and bad things on myself and there was also a point where i was putting all good and bad things on god and then and i came to the realization that there has to be a middle ground you know all you you can do and you know okay you know what let me clear this up right now i still honestly don't even know where i stand on religion myself um i just found new information that has been given me hope because I want to believe I, I've always believed like I stated I've always believed but I, I I know people that have experienced this this trams you know where you you just let go and you let God take you through this journey you call life but I mean the the, the whole time before that uh, this this journey of life it was me it wasn't anybody else and so when I started to question you know my belief and all this stuff i didn't want it to be somebody else i wanted everything that i had done to be me and sure you know you depending on where you stand on this i'll get into this in another episode and i really want to sit down with with somebody religious with, with somebody that like really has gave their whole mind soul and body to god and you know or Jesus, I don't, I really honestly don't even know the proper terms, but I would like to sit down and have a conversation with them because I want to understand their perspective. I don't, I want to understand what it is that allow them to fully give themselves to this person. And I, I can't have that right now. I can't understand that. I can't comprehend that. I can't let go to that extent. Does that make sense? I'm not sure. But that's where I was at. And and that's exactly where we are today. Still trying to figure out where we stand in this incredible world. I would like to believe that there is one shot to do whatever it is that you need to do. And I have found a new purpose in that. Understanding that it's you and then you die and then that's it. Really has made me push to do stuff like this where normally I would shy away from it. You know, even though I enjoy talking to people, I would have shied away. And I, but now, and at least for me, what I believe right now is that you just have this one life and then you do what you do with it. And then if you don't, it's gone. And to me, that was a crazy idea. And I really didn't want my life to be completely useless. Does that make sense? I hope I'm making sense. But anyway, you guys, this video is a little bit over probably an hour now. So I'm going to cut this off right here. I thank you so much for listening to me. I hope that you guys learned something, understood something. If you guys did, make sure to drop a big thumbs up. These are my socials. And don't forget to subscribe.